But last week we preached on the importance of prayer and fasting and what intentional prayer and fasting will do for you. And we looked at Mark 9 where Jesus comes down off the mountain, Mount Transfiguration, comes across some of his disciples arguing with a man. We'll come to find out the man says, hey, uh, my kid is demon-possessed. I bring him to you. Your disciples can't cast him out. And so they were having this debate. And so Jesus says, bring him to me, cast the demon, the, the demon out of the kid. Later on, they're having a conversation. The disciples say, hey, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says in Mark 9, 29, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. And so we learned this. It wasn't what the disciples did do. It was what they didn't do. And we talked about the importance of that. And it was supposed to be a standalone message, one and done. But the more I thought about it, man, I'm like, and I had this one word that just kept coming back to me, better, better. And it's so funny they sing that song this morning because I tell you this, God's better looks a lot different from our better. But I could ask, hey, how many have at least one area of their lives they want to be better in 2024? Yeah. If we're honest, we've all got at least one area in our lives. Some of us have more that we want to be better in 2024. And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, we want it to be better, man. Fasting and prayer is a great start. I didn't get a lot of amens on that, did I? Prayer and fasting. And so last Sunday, we started this 10 days of prayer and fasting. And Wednesday night, we will close it out with a time of worship and celebration. So if you want to come out for that, 7 p.m. But this word better, better and better. And I thought, if we're going to have a better year, we got to learn how to love. That's all right. Y'all stay with me. See, there was one line of that song that says, uh, it doesn't matter what you believe. So true. Because you can tell me what you believe all day long, but if you're not following it up with your actions, come on. And I think that's one of the biggest issues in the church today. The world has heard what we believe, but man, we have been done a poor job at following it up with our actions. And we've got to get better with following it up with our action. So the question we've got to ask is, how do you love? If you've got a Bible, John 1 is where I'm going to be. Um, and if not, we're going to bring it up on the screen. But uh, I'm going to assume, and I know you're not supposed to assume, but I'm going to assume, us being in the deep south, that everybody here is pretty much familiar with the Ten Commandments. Right? Uh, let's do this real quick. Let's say, Holler, holler those commandments out to me. Somebody just tell me, what are they? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Who said thou shalt not kill? Boy, you own that one. God must be dealing with you about something. Um, and, <laughs> thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Honor your father and mother. What else? Don't covet. No other gods. Don't talk bad about your pastor. That's in there. Um, so honor your parents. Here's the thing. Those are the 10. We, we're very familiar with those, even though we may not always live by them. Come on. Those are the ones we know. Those are the commandments given to Moses by God 
at Mount Sinai. But by the time we get to the New Testament and Jesus comes on the scene, the religious leaders had ha added so many laws to what God had that, that trying to follow God became more of a burden than a celebration. Because there were so many things, there was, it was impossible to live by them. And so John 13 opens up with what we know as the Last Supper. Jesus is final one-on-one -on -one time with these 12 young men. And that's where we're going to jump in today. John 13. Did I tell you all the wrong chapter? Ver I did. John 13, starting with verse 31. When he had gone out, talking about Judas, Jesus said, now is, the, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet, I, yet a little while I'm with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Now let's stop right there. How many commandments did God give Moses? Ten. Jesus says, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you've already done in this service. I thank you for your presence we felt. I thank you for the words that were spoken. I thank you for the healings that were done and, the, and God, just what you did. But God, I pray right now, you'd help us to hear clearly. Because some of us may hear this word and be quick to say, well, that's for somebody else. But God, I know this word is for me also. And I pray that you would just soften our hearts to hear and receive what you've got to say. In Jesus' name, and the church said, hey, um, who in here would be honest enough to say you like new things? Come on, I like new things. Come on, it's all right. Own it. New things. Now, see, me and Denise are thrifty, but, and so it's not, it wouldn't be out of ordinary for us to walk in here on a Sunday morning and be wearing something from a thrift shop or Salvation Army, but I also tell you, I like new stuff. Come on, come on, take the halo off. I like new stuff. I, I like new things, you know, but, but we, we all like new things, if we're honest. That's why you can go into your closet to get ready. You grab a shirt, nah, grab another shirt, nah, look at that dress, nah, grab, look at that blouse, nah, look at those jeans, those shoes, nah, and then these words come out of your mouth. I've got nothing to wear. Let me ask you, is that a true statement? No, it's not. You just don't have nothing new to wear. You've got plenty to wear. You just don't have anything new to wear. We like new things. That's why Apple can put out a new iPhone. And you just got the newest one six months ago. But I got to have the latest. And you don't even know how to use the one you got. Because we like new things. We like it. But here's the problem with new. Those things that are new to us eventually become old. That thing that was once a must-have now gets thrown in the corner or Denise is buying it at your yard sale. 
We like new stuff, but they get old. If you've ever re- was in my Jeep, uh, man, there was stuff everywhere, everywhere. When I first got that Jeep like eight years ago, man, I kept that thing pristine. But what happened? Come on, come on, aren't we like that? You can get a brand new vehicle. You keep that thing clean a couple months down the road. And if you're hungry, you reach down between the seats and pick up that weak old McDonald's french fries. And it's still good because who knows what they put in them. And we don't even want to take out the kids' car seats because who knows what's under those. I mean, there's probably a body under there somewhere. But we like new things. But what happens in new wears off? Well, up until Jesus, the people have been living or trying to live by all these laws. And Jesus shows up and in a conversation with his disciples says, a new commandment I give to you. I think for these, four, these uh, 12 Jewish young men, this may have hit them a little weird. They grow up, they grew up studying the Torah. They knew the Ten Commandments. And here God is saying, hey, or Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And see, for these young men, this is a deciding moment in their life. They've got to decide, hey, is Jesus the real deal? Or is he a heretic? Is he crazy? Because we know you don't add to the Word of God. You don't add to the Torah. So we've got to decide, is Jesus the real deal or is he crazy? Is he a lunatic? And so Jesus in this conversation says, I know you know the Ten Commandments, but I want to add one to that. Let's read verses 34 and 35 again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. Get this. In the span of two verses, Jesus says, love one another three times. That tells me this must be important. Because he said, love, love. I think love one another, love one another, love one another. I think the disciples are like, okay, we get it, Jesus. Love one another. But I think Jesus knowing this is his last time. And this is something they're going to need to remember. Love one another. See, I I don't think anyone would argue with the fact that the world does need more love. Right? We, we We need more love. But I would argue that the Beatles got it wrong when they sang, all we need is love. Jesus says, Hey, love one another, it hangs on what comes after that. Love one another as I have loved you. It hangs on that. See, Jesus knew love in and of itself is not the answer. But he's telling them, if you will learn to love this way, it's a game changer, church. See, if what we or the world calls love was working, there wouldn't be chaos in our world right now. Can we agree on that? Uh, I mean, we, we wouldn't have that. But here's the problem with the anthem, love is the answer or all we need is love, is everybody's definition of love is different. 
We all look at love different. You've got a, a parent that their kid gets thrown in jail for, for something, and you've got one parent saying, leave them in there. Show them some tough love. You've got another parent saying, oh, no, bail them out. Show them you love them. So the, which one is love? And so we all have these different definitions of love and variances. That's why, guys, listen, although our love songs current and past may sound good, they, they're packed full of lies. That's all right. That's all right. Because we'll sing stuff like, hey, I'll swim the deepest ocean. I'll climb the highest mountain for your love. And we're like, hey, really? I'll settle for you not leaving your underwear on the floor. <laughs> or how about this? How about you not take your grenade for me? And just not practice no shave November all year round, ladies. Um, come on now. At least Ed Sheeran got it. He was honest in, in his song, Thinking Out Loud, when he said, when your legs don't work like they used to before and I can't sweep you off your feet, darling, I'll be loving you till we're 70. At least he's honest. He said, hey, you've got till 70. I can't promise anything after that. <laughs> Up till 70, we're good. Depending on how you look, though, after that, we're good. go. But we all define love differently. And while we can agree we need more love, nobody can really agree on what love really is. I mean, because our, our definitions of what love is has led to divorce has led to betrayal. Come on. It, it has led to hurt. It has led to pain. It has led to confusion. And that's why Jesus didn't just say, love one another. He said, love one another like I love you. You want to know what love looks like? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the litmus test of what real love should look like, guys. And Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. The word that Jesus uses here is the Greek word agape. You want to know what it means? Unconditional. No strings attached love. Love that doesn't need to be reciprocated. So when Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment, love one another as I've loved you, he's saying this, love one another unconditionally. Love one another without strings attached. Love one another without needing reciprocated back. That's the way you love. But PK, that's hard. You don't live with these people. Listen, I know it's hard. You don't pastor these people. Um, come on now. Come on. Uh, here's the thing. If we want to grow in Christ in 2024, we want things to really be better. We've got to learn to love like Jesus. See, I believe for the most part, everyone in this room, everyone watching online, really does want to learn to love like Jesus. I, I mean, I believe that, that, that you're not just here going through the motions. Maybe you're here because somebody tricked you and told you there was a special program going on, but they were getting baptized. Uh, but I'm not, uh, listen, Bible says compel them. Whatever you got to do, Tia. Uh, but, but most part, we, we, we didn't just come out to give us something to do on this cold morning. 
No, we, we gather because we really believe Jesus is alive, right? We really believe he is who he said he is. We really believe that he is the only cure for the disease of sin that is ravaging our world. And we really believe Jesus is the answer. Come on, does anybody else believe that? Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. Well, let's look at the backstory of this before Jesus says that. As I said, it's at the Last Supper. Jesus is having one final meal with his disciples. This is the night that Jesus demonstrates what he came for. And he begins to take on the role of the lowest servant in a house and tells the disciples, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter, you know, Peter, we learned this last week, doesn't always think before he speaks. And Peter's like, oh, don't wash my feet. Don't. Uh, and, and Jesus says, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Peter's like, hey, then wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, hey, slow your road, cowboy, just the feet today. <laughs> I mean, Jesus didn't say slow your road, cowboy, but anyway. But he goes from washing their feet to having this incredible meal together, and they're all relaxing. Because to them, this was just Jesus taking his staff out for dinner. And Jesus kind of slips into the conversation, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, oh, no, no, there is no way. And of course, Peter speaks up again. Oh, no, I'm going to and I think Peter was like, hey, Jesus, tell me who it is. Am I warmer? Warmer? Cold? Come, come, who is it? Tell me who it is. But they go into that and Jesus eventually looks at Judas and says, hey, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Now, the disciples weren't privy to what Jesus said to them. So Judas leaves, and they think, hey, Judas is just going to do some, some, an errand for Jesus. They don't know what, what he set into play. And so Judas leaves, and Jesus is there with the 11 disciples. So today I want, to ask, I want us to ask three questions. And I think these three questions will really help us understand what he meant when he said, love one another as I have loved you. And if you're taking notes, the first question we got to ask is, who gave the command? Well, Jesus did, PK. We, we just read it. Yes, but I think we've got to fully grasp and recognize who is giving the command? Because we need to know this. Love can't be ordered or commanded, right? Right? You, you can't order or command someone to love you. If you could do that, some of you singles would be not single. Let's, let's move on. Let's move. That was funnier in my head than what it came across anyway. I laugh at my own jokes. I don't need people to laugh. It's all right. But Jesus says, hey, a new commandment I'm giving. You can't force love. Yet Jesus says, hey, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. And of course, Jesus is referencing the OG 10, but then he says, I'm going to add to it. Let's think about the original 10 that were given to Moses. And what happened around that? Moses goes up Mount Sinai to meet with God. There's lightning. There's thunder. There's fear involved, right? 
And then God, in this intense moment, God himself engraves the Ten Commandments on these two stone tablets. Let's fast forward to John 13. Jesus is having a meal with his disciples and says, let me give you a new commandment. The first ten were given with thunder, lightning, fear. The new commandment is given by Jesus while he's sharing a meal with his disciples. What's the difference? What is Jesus trying to show us through this? I believe it's this. Jesus said, listen, you understand there is no power in the commandment itself. There's only power in the one giving the command. There's no power in rule. There's only power in the relationship. There's no power in obeying the rule. It's perfect. The problem isn't the rule or the law. The problem is us. We're the problem. And I believe Jesus is saying this to them and to us if you're taking notes. Don't focus on the commandment. Focus on the commander. The one giving the command. Don't get hung up on what you can't do or what I'm saying. No, get hung up on the one giving the command. Because here's the truth. He is the only one that can empower you to live this way. It's about relationship, guys. It's about relationship. Don't get hung up on the rules. It's about relationship. I think this is where the churches fell for many years. Denise and I went to get some rock for our house a couple weeks ago. And the guy that was there to begin to load it up for us, he kept looking at me and he's, he's like, wait, what's your name? And I told him Kelly Goins, Pastor Watson He's like, man, I thought you looked for, your dad, you look like your dad. Your dad saved me. And I knew what he's talking about. And he began to tell us about how he, and if you've been here we're here for those years. You know this. He said, yeah, I mean, they were doing that heaven and hell drama there. And, 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 and so I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And, um, but the more we got to talking to him, well, he didn't go to church, didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. And so here's my point. We can try to scare the hell out of people. But at the end of the day, if they don't know it's about relationship, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. And, and guys, I think that's where we've, we've, we've done this, scare, scare. And, and I, listen, I was, I've done it. But for the most part, if they never developed a relationship with Jesus, it didn't stick. It didn't last. It's not about fear. It's about relationship. See, clothes get old, vehicles get old, gadgets get old, but this commandment Jesus gives, it never gets old. You, you don't believe me? Go forgive somebody that did you wrong. Go love somebody that talked bad about you and watch people in your life say, I can't believe you're forgiving them for what they did to you or said about you because it's a new concept. I mean, here we are 2,000 years later after Jesus said, love one another, and it's still a foreign concept to people, even people in the church. See, the emphasis on the commandment is just as I've loved you, love one another. The power is in the one giving the commandment. Don't get focused on the commandment. 
If we can get focused on the command of the one giving it, he will enable us to live out the commandment. Can you imagine, church, what we as community, if we begin to love people like that? Second question, let's move on. When is the commandment given? Well, again, we know, Kelly, it's there at the Lord's Supper. He gave it while he's eating, drinking dinner with his friend. But I think we need to go deeper. When Jesus gives the new commandment, love one another, realize it is in the middle of him, him being betrayed by someone he's poured his life into for three years. When Jesus says love one another, it's in the middle of pain and deep hurt. See, the others don't know where Judas is going, but Jesus knows exactly where Judas is going. And when he watches Judas get up from the table, walk out the door, Jesus knew what had been set into motion. And see, when Jesus gives this new commandment, he didn't give it to all 12. Judas was gone. He gave it to the 11 that were remaining. 11th disciple, 11th commandment. I, I don't, I'm not big into numbers and, and things like that, but I do know that numbers in the Bible carry weight, carry meaning. I, I mean, you got the number 10 represents the law of God. The number 12 represents the perfect government uh, of God. Well, Jesus, when you look at it, he gives the 11th commandment to the 11th disciples. Do you know what 11 represents in the Bible? Disorder and chaos. Jesus says, love one another in the middle of disorder and chaos. In the middle of one of his disciples betraying him, Jesus looks at the other 11 that remain and says, love one another. I think you said, hey, don't just love one another when it's easy. Don't just love one another when it's convenient for you. Don't just love one another when the relationship is going great. No, when Judas gets up and walks out the door, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. If I'm being honest, if I'm Jesus, and this is one of the many reasons I'm not, Jesus walks out, and I'm like, hey, guys, see Judas? Don't be like him. You, you think he's going to run an errand, but he's actually getting ready to sell me out for 30 pieces of silver. Don't be like that. That's what I would have done. But Jesus doesn't. And the thing is, if Jesus had done that, we'd all been, like, we'd all been fine with it. It's true. Jesus told the truth. Jesus looked at the 11 remaining disciples. He says, I want to give you a new commandment. Love one another. I mean, get this guy. In the middle of a friend betraying him, in the middle of knowing what is, has been put into play, his beating, the torture, the crucifixion, in the middle of disorder and chaos, Jesus says, love one another. So Jesus said, hey, Judas is right now in the act of betraying me as a friend. But I love him. I love one another like that. Man. But Jesus 
you don't know what they did to me. You don't know the betrayal that I suffered at their hands. I think Jesus would say, I know a little bit about betrayal. Love them anyway. Matthew 5, 43, look what Jesus says. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I'm going to tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Look at verses 46 and 47. If you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the tax collectors do that. We might say even the politicians do that. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, if you greet your own people, what are you doing that any more than others? Don't pagans do that? Get this. He says, but be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's it? We just got to be perfect? Come on. I'm in. Come on. How many is like, hey, PK, uh, I thought Watts Bar Church was a church for imperfect people. Yeah. Jesus is saying, I want you to love each other the way that I love you. Be perfect. Well, that's impossible, Jesus. You're right. Without me, you can't love people that way. The last question we need to ask. Where does the commandment start? See, I, I think it would have been a lot easier if Jesus had said, hey, a new commandment I'm going to give you. Love the world. Because if I'm being honest, I'm a lot better at loving the world sometimes than I am those people in my life. Come on. Let's make it personal. You can be on Facebook crying your eyes out about some kid thousands and thousands of miles away that just you've gotten into their story. Your kid comes, Mama, Daddy, Mama, Daddy, you're like, would you shut up? I'm trying to learn about this kid here. And in trying to love them, we've neglected our, those in our lives. It's harder to love. I'm telling you, it's harder to love our own people than it is the world sometimes. I mean, we love the people over in Asia, Mexico, Guatemala, places we go on mission trips. We love those. But so-and-so at work and at school, don't even get me started. Oh, let's go minister to the homeless, the needy. That person I go to church with. Hey, I want to sponsor a child in a third world country. But my neighbor, they're jerk. I can't stand them. And yet Jesus says, I want you to love one another. Well, do you mean those in my circle, my tribe, my people? the people that I choose to sit with on Sundays or Wednesdays, that's a good starting point. That's a good place to start. But Jesus doesn't confine it to our sphere of friends. That's a good start. See, I believe this. We're never more like Jesus than when we learn to love that person at work or school that just gets on your ever-loving nerves. You're never more like Jesus. When you love that person that sits on the other side of the church, the one you struggle uh, to even concentrate on church, you can't even focus on God because you're focused on what they did or said. Man, Jesus says love one another. 
is I've loved you. If it's your first time visiting us, I'm usually funnier and nicer than this. So come back, sis. Get this. Jesus says, guys, if you will love people like this, the world will look on. And they'll see what my love really looks like. If, we'll be, if we will learn to love like he loves us. Kelly, I want to love like that. I really do. But there's no way. You're right. In and of itself, you can't do it on your own. Look what Paul says in Romans 5.5. 5. This hope does not disappoint us. For God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. I love the way the Living Bible translates this. It says, and what, then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us and we, and we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love, His agape love. Paul is telling us that because of what Jesus did for you, did for us, that agape love of Christ, it is now in our DNA. It's in us because of what he did. The grace of Jesus is flowing through our veins. And that's what enables us to love as he loved. See, whether you want to believe it or not, if, we, if you are in Christ, you have access to the agape love. And you can love people like Jesus loves you. Man, as I was studying for this this week, if I'm being as honest, I was like, God, I suck at this. I don't love people the way you love people. I got to get better. I've got to get better. I've, I, I, I felt miserably at times loving people like you. I've got a long way to go at loving people like you. But what's our community church? Let me ask you, what if we became the kind of community. What if we begin to love people, even those that don't like us, those that have hurt us, those that are different from us, those that don't believe like us? Though, what if we just begin to love them like Jesus loved us? Can you imagine the broken, the used up, the addicts, those struggling with their sexuality, the hurting that would come running to this place because they hurt? Hey, they love like Jesus there. Or, or can you imagine the people that have been hurt by the church or that may have given up on church? What if we created such an atmosphere that they came here and they left here thinking, so that's what it looks like to love like Jesus. If we begin to love this way, we couldn't build a big enough building to contain it. Our CR, we would have to have multiple CRs. We begin to love people that way. Guys, I want us to be that type of community. I want us to be a community that is growing in Christ, loving through Christ, being the hands, the feet of Christ. I want to be a community, a church that looks like Jesus. Here's the truth. This area doesn't need another church. They need a community of believers that actually begin to love like Jesus. What if we, I, I know 
David, I know this is a lofty idea for people. What if we as followers of Jesus actually began to live by what the Bible says? It's weird, I know. What if we began to live by stuff like 1 Thessalonians 5.11? Encourage one another. Build one another up. What if we began to do that? Or Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. What if, what if instead of sitting around thinking about the comeback we want to post on Facebook or social media, we sit around thinking about ways we can motivate somebody to acts of love? That's good, Pastor Kelly. I don't know if I get it, but that's good. That's good. What about Ephesians 4, 29? Don't let even one rotten word seep out of your mouths. Instead, offer only fresh words that build others up and when they need it most. That way, good, look at this, your good words will communicate grace to those that hear them. Mm. Or, what if we live by Hebrews 4, 8? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Do you know what covers a multitude of sins? What it literally means when you do a, a research on it, it means to overlook an offense or someone's fault. What if we actually, instead of Whenever somebody's name pops up or something, our mind, instead of it going to the negative things about them, what if we began to say, you know what? I know there's good in there, and I'm going to find a way to get it, pull it out. I'm not, I'm, I think I'm going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Offense, man, John Bevere said this, it's the bait of Satan. The bait of Satan, offense is. But what if we began to do that, loving people? Instead of pointing out their faults, we loved them and came alongside them and tried to help them walk this out. Brent, did, you have, did anybody have to tell you everything you were doing wrong? No. His wife did. She said, I did. <laughs> I, I don't think you had to. I just think you took advantage of it and did it. But so many men. Here's the problem. Most of us don't need to be told. We, we know the sin we live in. We know the struggles we have if we're honest. But what we need is somebody said, hey, bro, I had this, uh, it's been, I don't know, about three years ago when all the pronoun stuff started. I had a lady that was coming here and her daughter had chosen to go by these. And, and I, I just told her, her mom, I said, I can't, I can't do that. She says, why? That's what she wants. I said, I said, here's why. It's not being mean, but I refuse to see your daughter as anything less than how God made her and created her. I didn't say that a lie. And she said, oh, I get it. I get it. Guys, what if we began to live like that. See, the most 
powerful force in communicating and demonstrating and expressing agape, agape love of Christ right here. I mean, that's why Proverbs 18, 20 says the power of life and death are in the tongue. So are we speaking life? Are we encouraging and empowering one another? Are we speaking death to people? See, you've heard me talk about this. I don't believe you. No, you should not live in the past. The past is the past. But sometimes, you know what as Christians need to do? We need to remember where we were, who we were when Jesus loved us regardless. And that's the way we love people. See, we were broken. We were the sexually confused. We were the addicts. We were the divorcee. We were the sexually promiscuous. We were the alcoholic. We, we were the prescription pain pill addict. We were the person with the anger issues. We were the judgmental, the self-righteous. We were the cutters, the pornography watchers, the liars, the prideful, the adulterers, the sinners. And if God loved us like that, what do you think he meant by a new commandment? I give you love one another as I have loved you. Stand with me across this room. I know we're running a little late, guys. How many would say, B, I'm not going to have you bow heads or anything? How many would be honest and say, man, I've got a long way to go, PK, because I'm having a problem loving certain people. Keep your hand raised. And keep it raised if you're, if you're with this next group too. I want to I learn to love people the way Jesus loves them. Whether they look like me, act like me, believe like me, I want to love people like Jesus loved me. Father, you see every hand raised. At the end of the day, it's not what we believe, it's whether our actions showed it. Did we love like you? God, help us to begin to love people like you loved us. Help us to remember that, God. That is the thing. We cannot do it on our own. We need this supernatural power of grace and love that is now in our DNA. We need it to flow and become real and just pour through us to other people. Forgive us. Forgive us for putting a limit on our love. Come on, I, th I think somebody needs to say, forgive us, forgive me for putting a limit on my love. Forgive me for, for, for not loving certain people. For, forgive me for looking at others down on others just because they're this way. Forgive me for that. And God, with your help, I will love people the way you loved me. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Casey. Amen. Give it up for Pastor Kelly.